0: I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres, such as demented
1: puppets, evil elves, franchises, and directors' bodies of work. And of course, we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers. All right, guys, we're back with our first Christmas holiday episode. Yeah. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Ooh. (laughs) And
0: technically, I guess this is like, we don't have fucking seasons, but this is basically like a season finale. Oh, shit. There's so much pressure now. Well, we started in January this year. <laughs> this is true. It really feels like it's been a while since we recorded again. I think it's because it's been a while since we recorded again.
1: You're just not used to the long stints because this has happened like the last three
0: episodes. <laughs> Shit has been fucked, guys, between this happening and that. I mean, the Jeremy Sanya episodes coming out was a fucking miracle by themselves. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, man.
1: It, it's a whole year. A whole
0: year. And speaking of a year, we're going to try to, you know, have a fun little episode here. And Josh and I are actually going to take a break until January and pick back up where we started with the first episode. Yeah, a whole two weeks. Ooh. <laughs> hey, I didn't say when in January. <laughs> we're also going to try to go really detailed on two movies for this episode and just kind of see how it goes. And hopefully, some of you guys will tell us over the break if you prefer
1: it. Yeah, definitely let us know because uh, we've, even after a year, we're still feeling this shit out. <laughs>
0: I mean, we'll talk for five hours and edit it down to three. It happens all the time, but (laughs) should we is the real question here. That is the question. No one's ever stopped to ask if they should. I'm trying to think if I've seen anything cool, horror related since we recorded besides finally making it see Dr. Sleep.
1: I'll let you go first because I got, you're going to have to reel me in on what I'm going to (laughs) say. Well, first of all, I thought it was a fucking
0: awesome movie. Flanagan was at it again. Uh, it makes me want to read the shining and the doctor sleep book, but it was really funny what happened when I saw it. Now I don't know if I told you the story, Josh, David and I went to go see the movie. And since we haven't made it out to a horror movie, since we both have babies at home, uh, we decided to make a night of it, go get a couple of beers. And we realized it was only playing at 10 Oh five in one theater. Like it had been so long since it had been oh, out. Yeah. Okay. So we drank our beers. We get to the movie theater. It's got the nice comfy seats that recline like all the way back. Start watching the movie. And you know, they basically reshot part of The Shining. Yeah. And you see Danny on his big wheel going through the hallway. And he stops in front of room 237. And as soon as he turns his head to look at the door, the fucking power went out in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) And we just start looking around. Some people are freaking out. And you hear like, oh, hell no. and Stuff like that. (laughs) And somebody stands up and says, I'm about to get some free popcorn. Who else wants free popcorn? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then I just like kind of pulled my hat down over my eyes. I was like, ah, looks like they got it handled. I'm going to take a nap until it comes back on. It was like 10 minutes for the movie came back on. Oh, wow. And it's digital. So it started over. <laughs> but no, the special effects were pretty cool. It, uh, like I said, I've never, i never read the book, so I don't know like what they did to the mythos and whatnot, but it was, it was a fun ride trying to see what was going to happen.
1: The, uh, the wife did, and I'm not going to spoil it or go on a diatribe about it, but the wife did make some complaints about steering away from the book. Of course, we all know, I don't know shit about the book. <laughs> um, what I do know is I loved it up until the third act. I felt, I'm trying to go as little spoilers here. As right, possible. right. Too new. I, I thought some of what happened towards the end was unnecessary and we still could have had a complete story without it. And that is part of what the wife went on about not happening in the book, but they uh, did okay. it in the movie, um, but the, uh the main, uh, bad girl with the hat. Was um, that Rose, the hat or something like that? Something like that. Um, I bought every bit of her and I was listening to an interview where, uh, it was an interview with Flanagan where he was talking about talking to her, like, you know, feeling out the character and everything. And she's like, I'm not the villain. I'm the hero. He's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It's like to my group, I'm the hero and I'm going to play it. Like I'm the hero for my group. And right. that, that makes so much sense about where she took the character. But, uh, the scene where they're collecting the steam. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what they're doing to get more steam. I'm trying real hard not to spoil <laughs> this because it's so new. That shit's ancient, man. That shit fucking child sacrifice. The shit they talk about right. with the elites and adrenochrome and all that shit. Like it's Stephen King, man. He's got a fucked up mind. I know, but that shit that shit happens man in a good way though
0: um, no it doesn't happen in a good
1: way no no I meant Stephen King has fucked up on in a good but it, way but it, and I'm going you know on a, on a conspiracy tangent here but no it was it really did suck me in like I commented on the last episode I completely forgot that it was a Flanagan movie <laughs> and I'm like pointing out so many things that it gets to the end I'm like
0: oh yeah I mean, there were so many actors that were from his other things. Like Elliot was in it. He played Jack Nicholson, yeah. you know, and uh, I can't think of his name right now. So he's Elliot, but you know, there's, I was surprised his wife wasn't in it though. Oh, yeah. If she was, I didn't catch it. I was just to say, if she was hidden somewhere, I didn't catch it. The editing, you could tell. Oh, yeah. I really like the scene. How do I do this without spoiling? Where she goes to the, where, where the hat goes to the bedroom. Yeah, And I like the whole thing where she's got to walk out of it and the way the camera kind of tilts so she can fly out the window and shit. Yes. All that was fucking awesome.
1: Yeah. the Visually, it was good. All the acting's good. The, the writing was good. Um, it's fucking you and McGregor. Of course the acting was good. <laughs> but no, it was really fun. And it wasn't too fucking long, like uh, it chapter two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I agree it chapter two is too long, but I did like the movie. We got a, a little debate in the family here because I really want to go see Black Christmas in theaters, and Josh's
1: wife does not. Look, and she's been the only one like f- keeping her finger on the pulse on it. I have read or watched absolutely nothing on it so we'll wait and see but i don't think i'm gonna be able to drag her to the theater (laughs) i might just have to let you know how that one is just like the well the new bill and ted she's not that's gonna have to be you and me buddy oh i'm going to bill and ted but that's it man i mean i've watched some shitty movies on netflix that aren't worth mention
0: yet (laughs) i'm pretty sure i watched a bunch of shit and i can't oh i watched daybreak you were telling me
1: about that. We still haven't watched it.
0: Anyways, if we don't want this to be another six hours that I have to add it down into something manageable, we probably want to get started with the Christmas episode.
1: Oh, yeah. So we each
0: chose one Christmas movie, which my first choice was really easy. It popped out of my head <laughs> last January when we were planning the show out. I was having a hard time narrowing it down, but now I don't have to. We're just doing two.
1: Yeah, and I got to say, if I hadn't already got Lost Boys and uh, – um Poltergeist, we would have been fighting over this one, but the, but it is only fair. And I do have to say that this one goes all the way back for me because it was a survivor of the Jesus tapes. <laughs> Maybe because of the PG rating, I don't know. But of course, you're starting off with 1984's Gremlins.
0: This is a Christmas classic at the house. This movie, 1984. God, we were two when it came out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wasn't two when I saw it, I'm sure, but it was pretty young. I was probably five or six. I played it for the kids, man, and uh, I had to take them in the bathroom and stuff. They're afraid the gremlins would get them. <laughs> Georgie was so mad at me. <laughs> it's funny though; they watched it with me last year and didn't get scared.
1: Times change, man. I don't remember
0: being scared by it. Do you?
1: Um, the kitchen scene when I was real little. Um, the eyes in the in the Christmas tree <laughs> like that that was a little dark.
0: I actually have a like a original nineteen eighty four Gizmo doll, and I think it's in a box here. Oh, really? I want to dig it out for the kids. <laughs> uh, Granny actually got it for me. Okay. Anyway, so the idea for this movie came off of the old legend of Gremlins being little monsters or creatures that fucking destroy things. And the original idea of Gremlins as we know them actually came from World War II. And every country, like the Air Force pilots, we'll talk about the Gremlins attacking their ships and destroying their planes and this and that. And a, I believe it was uh, a British, like, Royal Air Force pilot Uh, by the name of Roald Dahl, wrote a book in 1942. And I think it was just called Simply Gremlins. And that ended up kind of being like the Twilight Zone movie, like William Shatner skit. There's something
1: on the wing. Yes.
0: And like Looney Tunes, Falling Hair came out the next year in 1943. And Disney actually got the rights to make a movie, like in 42 or 43 of this book, but something happened legally where they couldn't make it, but they had started on it.
1: They didn't have Touchstone yet. Was it Touchstone? Was it Touchstone they released Nightmare Before Christmas Under? Because they're like, we're not going to say it's us. Something like that. Anyways, sorry. And Chris Columbus, I'm sure, had read that
0: book. I feel like he had to have when he <laughs> wrote this thing. But it was written by Chris Columbus, who has done a lot of shit. He, he partially said he based it off of this apartment he lived in when he was in NYU. And that there were just like fucking rats running through the walls. And he's like, God damn, what's in the walls? <laughs> and, and that was part of the idea. And he actually wrote it in college, and he says that it was not meant to be a real script. It was more like a spec thing just to show how story writing happened, and it landed in Steven Spielberg's hands, and he fucking bought it and made a movie. And that's
1: how it happens with Spielberg.
0: (laughs) No shit, right? (laughs) And I knew Chris Columbus had made a lot of shit for my youth, and I knew he had made some shit recently that I liked. And then I decided to look at the list, and my fucking mind was blown. (laughs) I just want to go through some of these, like, briefly. Like, fucking, He wrote Gremlins. He wrote The Goonies. I don't know why I didn't know that. Yeah. Young Sherlock Holmes, Ventures of Babysitting. Those are like a big part of me being a kid. Home Alone 1 and 2 were directed by him, right? Mrs. Doubtfire, the first two Harry Potter movies. I mean, this motherfucker has been in my life, apparently, for most of it. And he had a dark streak, which we'll get into as we we go through this.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Originally, Steven Spielberg wanted Tim Burton to direct the movie. Because he had seen Frankenweenie, his short, and I guess he was probably a Disney animator at the time, right? Huh? That that was his start, and uh, I think it was hard for him to to get approval for that from the studio because he hadn't done anything. Yeah, as
1: I said, the the Frankenweenie guy, <laughs> and
0: honestly, I don't think it would have worked.
1: No, not not the way it it ended up coming together. It would have been nothing like that.
0: I mean, it, I'm sure it would have been a cool movie, but it wouldn't have been like. I mean, I don't know, it's lightning in a bottle. On this yeah, one. I,
1: I just can't picture Johnny Depp as Billy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but when Spielberg read the script and had to have it, he bought it. It was darker than he wanted it to be. He had it toned down, and he chose his director, also scene one of his previous horror movies, Howling, Joe Dante. Yep. Who's also, I mean, he's, this guy's <laughs> been around the block. I mean, he might get his own episode. He did. I mean, the first two Gremlins movies, The Explorers, I fucking love that movie as a kid. Yep. Uh, Inner Space. Yes. I still love that movie, man. I forgot he worked on Rock and Roll High School. Uh, You know, The Howling, of course. I, I can't wait to cover that. You know, so he he's done a bunch of cool shit. And I actually found out his first short movie is called Piranha. Yeah. And it was a knockoff of Joss. Yup. And I think I heard that Warner Brothers wanted to sue for it. And Steven Spielberg saw the movie and he liked it. And he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> this guy's cool. And uh, I mean, he used them for Gremlins. So apparently he liked his work. And I did want to briefly jump into the special effects guy, Chris Wayless, because this was probably the most overworked special effects person <laughs> in the history of time, because he designed the Mogwais and the Gremlins, had to build them and had to build a lot of them. And as I'll get into as we go through the movie, he kind of got fucked partway through and had to come up with even more clever ideas. But this guy has done effects on let's with some of the big ones here: um, E.T., Return of the Jedi, Gremlins, Enemy Mine, The Fly One and Two, Arachnophobia. He actually directed The Fly Two. Yep. Which is... yeah. <laughs> special effects were cool? Yes. We have our opening scene of the film in Chinatown with. Awesome voiceover from Hoyt Axton. That guy has like the smoothest talking voice ever. Yeah. And he's playing Rand Peltzer, the father of our main character. But Mr. Peltzer is being escorted through Chinatown to find a toy for his son. And he's taking him to this like secret back alley underground shop. So he probably thinks his fucking kidney's about to get stolen. Or to buy some drugs. Eh, maybe. But but he's introduced to the grandfather and he sees all this weird shit in there. And we find out that he's an inventor and he makes weird gadgets. And they work great.
1: That's no problem.
0: That's absolutely no problem. Cleans up easily. But while he's trying to show off his gadget, and honestly, I don't remember if it's the fucking bathroom buddy or the smokeless ashtray or what at this point, but uh, he keeps hearing an odd sound in the shop and he's like, what is that? And he's introduced to a singing Mogwai and he wants to get it for his son. And it's this cute little adorable fur ball. And I did find out that Mogwai is Cantonese for demon. Yeah. It was just so kind of funny. Just a little Cocker Spaniel colored demon. <laughs> The old man tells him no, but the grandson sees the cash and he's like, Hey, meet me in the back alley so I can steal your fucking kidney. No, no,
1: because <laughs> it sounds bad again.
0: <laughs> but uh, Rand leaves, meets the kid out back, gets the Mogwai in the cage, and we hear a voiceover as he leaves about the ridiculous rules of keeping a Mogwai. <laughs> the rules that were so ridiculous that they make fun of them in the sequel, which yes. is also made by Joe Dante. Yep. But the rules are do not expose them to bright light, it'll hurt them. And especially not sunlight, because it could kill him. Do not get it wet. These are fine rules. Hell yeah, yeah. the most fucked up rule, do not feed it after midnight. It's the most important rule. You cannot forget. But he neglects to say what time zone. Exactly. I mean, it would have been nice if they said, like, fucking midnight <laughs> druid time. Yeah, druid time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Rand listens to the kid, pays lots of attention. And, of course, we'll heed his advice. Sure, kid, whatever you say. Hey, listen, thanks, and have a merry Christmas. Then we open up in Hill fucking Valley. Yeah, we do. It's Kingston Falls in this movie, but it's the same courtyard in the Warner back lot uh, that they use for Hill Valley and Back to the Future like a year later, right? We see that it's just a normal small town where everyone knows each other, and we're introduced to Pete, Billy, his busted-ass car, and his angry fucking racist neighbor, Mr. (laughs) Futterman. He's a fucking guy, man. Everything's (laughs) the fucking foreigners did this and goddamn not made American. He's fucking ridiculous throughout the movie and probably a lot like people were back then in small towns. We also get to see Barney the dog who's played by Mushroom the dog who was actually the dog from Pumpkinhead. I did not know that. It was Lance Hendrickson's dog. No shit. Uh, Joe Dante says this dog is like the best fucking animal to work with and then all of his reactions to the entire film were authentic because he thought Gizmo was real. Yeah. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. He gonna eat that puppet. (laughs) We see that Billy works at a bank, which is funny because I kept thinking he was a high school kid, but he's got to be just out of high school because he's at work during the day when Pete's at school, right? Yeah. But we see he works at a bank with Kate, Who's obviously his love interest coming out of the
1: fucking water with her boobs all out and wet.
0: I was going to say it's Phoebe Cates from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which everybody always remembers. It's probably most people's first boob scene from our age. Yes. And they almost didn't hire her because of that. Yes. (laughs) And Zach Galligan plays Billy. I forgot to say that earlier, which honestly, I've seen him recently pop up in like genre type flicks like his smaller roles, but I can't really think of anything big he did outside the Gremlins movies. We also see that the town has their very own Mrs. Scrooge. I think it's Mrs. Deagle or whatever, but she's fucking meaner than hell to everyone and they're all afraid of her in town. Like there's one guy that's like, "Ooh," and he like gets out of her way. She doesn't like holidays. She doesn't like children and she likes to kill and eat dogs apparently. <laughs> We're introduced to Gerald at the bank, which is Judge
1: Reinhold. And he's sitting there in the bathroom beating off in the pirate costume. No, Josh, that's Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, I don't know the difference. (laughs) It is funny to see them both in it. I
0: know, right? And he's a dick in this movie, has a very small part, and I found out why when I saw the deleted scenes, and I'm glad they cut all that shit. (laughs) Out of all the deleted scenes, I'll probably go over it at the end. There was only one that I wish they would have kept. Okay. But I mean, she comes in complaining about the dog doing something to her fucking snowman or something. And I think Barney jumps over the counter because he took his dog to work and attacks the old lady. He almost take, gets fired. Take your dog to work day, man. But but it kind of like phases into that night and we see that Kate's also working at the local tavern and him and Gerald are at least civil, you know, him and, and judge are at least civil. He must kind of a <laughs> dick to him. But we definitely get the vibe that he likes Kate at this point. And I really think that was like the main takeaway. Cause he even tries to go out on a date with her when he walks her home. Right. Yeah. That night we cut to Billy's house, the Peltzer residence. And we see that his mother's at the house and we see fucking inventions everywhere that do not fucking work and bring terror to this family. (laughs) And it's a wonderful life's plan, which Chris Columbus does. And like just about fucking everything. If you think about it.
1: Yes. I hate that movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like it, but it's probably because I always watched it with my dad.
1: Right. Yeah. I've Um, got no sentimental attachment,
0: but his pops comes home from his trip and he has a gift for Billy to open that has to be opened right away. He thinks it's a puppy. Barney's not happy about that.
1: I've had in this box for like four hours. <laughs>
0: that's, that's actually a great time for me to segue into <laughs> Howie Mandel did the voice of Gizmo,
1: which I didn't learn until years later, uh, and I'm like, Bobby?
0: And then Michael Winslow from Police Academy fame did most of the other mogwais. Oh, okay. And Peter Welker does uh, Stripe's voice, which I think he was, like, fucking Megatron and, like, Scooby-Doo and all sorts of shit like that. But he's a famous voice actor. And he's actually got Howie the Job. Oh, okay. So. But Billy opens the gift, and we see little fucking cute little paws come out. Gives those cute little fucking head pop up. <laughs> and, of course, the family's in love with him, including fucking Barney the dog who tries to eat him. And it's funny because <laughs> you can see Billy having, like for real hold the dog yes. back and it's because the dog thought it was fucking real the whole time and it worked to joe dante's advantage <laughs> i'm really shocked though at how like no one in the house is concerned with this foreign creature
1: oh i know right like let's just let it live and roam free there's that whole tv show about what they stop at the fucking airports in like australia and shit and this family's like there, there's a fucking chinese demon they don't know that but no <laughs> if somebody brought that home i don't care how cute it is, is it'll be like kill it with fire <laughs> It's going to eat our face and (laughs) then our soul, just like a cat. Ooh.
0: But, you know, since the dad paid such keen attention to the rules, he forgets (laughs) to go over any of them. And the mom takes a a Polaroid picture with a bright-ass flash, and we find out he doesn't like bright light. (laughs) Dad gives him, like, just, like, the little basis of the rules and tells him that the creature's a mogwai. And then he calls him Gizmo, because isn't that cute? Because he's an inventor,
1: right? Yeah, I didn't put that together when I was a kid.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> I really didn't. Uh, we see uh, later that night that Billy pays just as much attention as his father does as he blinds Gizmo with a bright light again. And we start to, bright light, bright light, you know? <laughs> yep. And uh, they said that they had how we kind of like, he learned dialect as he went. Yeah. Like from humans, which is kind of cool. And we cut to the next day and we see that Pete, which is little Corey Feldman,
1: like really little Corey Feldman. Yeah, before he blew up. <laughs> his
0: friends with Billy And uh, they hang out the house Gizmo likes TV Wants to drive a race car Right <laughs> And uh, he sings a song for Pete And it's really funny So it's not Howie Mandel doing the singing He wouldn't do the singing It's actually a 13 year old girl From Jerry Goldsmith's synagogue Which he did like he, Poltergeist right That was like his big I mean yes. he's done a lot of things But
1: Well I joke with the wife all the time That if you take the You know Oh <laughs> The, that whole thing You can roll right Out of that into La 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 <laughs> La la lullaby man Fucking He's ripping himself off
0: <laughs> I mean he's out there though He's really great Like film composer So Awesome score But you know Pete thinks he's so adorable He wants to hold him And knocks water on him Cause his family sucks At fucking rules And uh The water goes on Gizmo And he appears to be in pain As he shoots fur balls Out of his back Which look really cool They do And it was done with balloons Yep. I love, like, if you watch the commentary, they talk about, like, how that, I mean, every set, like, was a, on a pit with actors under it so they could, or puppeteers, really. Yeah. And they're just like, they're like, anytime we needed something, we just drilled a fucking hole in the floor.
1: <laughs> I, I think it's around this scene, too, when, uh, when Pete's talking to him and it's the reverse shot. And they're like, what you can't see right now that Pete sees is the puppet's face is falling off. <laughs> He's like, Oh, these are the puppets that are paying the ass because the face fall off. You see that black line over by his ear,
0: so his face is falling off. You can't tell because from the back. Oh. But these little fur balls start to quickly grow into additional magwai? Is that is that the plural? I think so. Mogwai's just doesn't sound right. We're gonna go with that. Um but one of them has a cute little stripe on his head and wants to eat Petey's fucking fingertip when he tries to poke it. And uh, Gizmo is not happy to be a father. <laughs> no, he's not. He does not want to pay into he's, this child support. Yes,
1: he has the fucking full-on child support look on his face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> But uh, <laughs> Billy runs downstairs to his dad, who's working on another fucking failed invention. And he's like, did you know the Mogwai multiply when the kid Because <laughs> Goddamn this family and the rules. The dad goes down there and immediately sees dollar signs. And he thinks this could be the big one for the family, and they're going to replace the family dog. The pelts are So supposedly that was like a big joke because they knew the fucking toy for Gizmo was going to sell through the roof. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're like, merchandising. Oh, merchandising. Merchandising, merchandising. <laughs> Billy lets his dad know that the others are not like Gizmo, and the one with the stripes seems to be their leader. We can also see that he's clearly an asshole as he shoots a snot rocket out at Gizmo and Barney and the fucking dog's reaction, like the rest of the movie. He needs a fucking Oscar or whatever a fucking Oscar for a dog is. Yeah, that's
1: your first Gizmo.
0: doesn't say it there, but yeah. But we cut to that night, and I don't know if Billy's brave or a fucking idiot because he's got Gizmo freely sleeping in the bed next to him. And then a little cardboard bed box with the other mogwai laying in it right next to his bed. I'd be afraid they're going to eat me.
1: Yeah, he's treating them like kittens when they're demons. Well, kittens, demon. Anyways. Yeah, this is poor judgment all over the place. He handles money, dude. Money.
0: Yeah, I know him.
1: <laughs> but Billy is
0: awakened by the sounds of Barney crying outside, and he goes out, and Barney's strung up by Christmas lights, and he thinks it's the mean old lady that did it. She had help. <laughs> but, uh... It was supposed to be much more fucked up than that because originally Chris
1: wrote it where the gremlins killed and fucking ate Barney. You know what? What if they were Mogwai when they did it and it was after midnight and in the original script, the Barney dinner is what turned them into gremlins. Could be. That actually would have been even Uh, more fucked uh, up. And that's totally pulling it out of my ass. But yeah, they were going to eat the fucking dog. Yes. And there's another scene that I don't
0: know where to put it in here, but apparently it shows the inside of McDonald's and all the burgers are on the table, but all the people inside have been eaten. And the gremlins ate all of them. Holy Steve shit. <laughs> yeah, Steven Spielberg. And there's another one I'm going to get to later, but Steven Spielberg cut all those out because he wanted it to be like more yeah. wholesome. And really, I think it was a money thing because it comes down to, I'll, I'll get to another plot point. We'll get into it then. But Joe Dante was really just trying to make one of the first horror comedies, really. Yeah. It's it's a fun ride. Let's, let's just get on with it. then. <laughs> The next day, Billy takes Gizmo to his old high school uh, to see the local mad scientist, which was apparently his old high school teacher, science teacher, right? It's not Dr. Beekman. It's not Dr. <laughs> Beekman. And uh, he shows Mr. his name, how they multiply with water, and he leaves them one to run experiments on because these people are not normal. <laughs> Nobody's calling the CDC or nothing. <laughs> nope. But that night on the town, we see Billy meet up with Kate at the bar. She shuts it down. They walk a uh, drunk-ass racist Mr. Futterman out to a snowmobile as he complains about the goddamn foreigners. And then he gives us a monologue and mumbling about gremlins and how they destroyed the planes in World War II. And that's a reference back to the book that I mentioned earlier. Yep. And Billy walks Kate home. And at this point, we find out she's crazier than hell. She goes really emo on him and says that she does not <laughs> celebrate Christmas. And it's the most depressing time.
1: Well, everybody else is opening up their presents. They're opening up their wrists.
0: But apparently Billy likes crazy because he asks Kate on a date and she accepts. They're the most fun. And at this point, we're going to cut back and forth between the Peltzer house and the school because Billy goes home and him and Gibbs are watching TV and the other Mogwai are acting hungry. And Billy looks at his clock and it's before midnight. So uh, let's just go ahead and give him a sack of dinner, he says. and <laughs> He feeds him. And at that point, we see that the doc's taking blood from his Mogwai who's not happy about it, and then he leaves the POW, who reaches through his cell and grabs his leftover sandwich from Dr. Jekyll and eats the son of a bitch. The next day, Billy and Mom discover that all the mogwai in the room have turned into a cocoon, and Billy discovers that the clock was unplugged, and it must have been after midnight when they ate. they chewed through the wires. That's technically unplugged. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> How do we know where the other end is? And it was at this point in the original script that you never saw Gizmo again for the rest of the movie because Gizmo also ate and went into a cocoon. And when they hatch, he becomes Stripe, which would have been a completely different movie from that point on. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg saw the merchandising <laughs> opportunities <laughs> of Gizmo. This fucker's too cute. Don't ruin it. <laughs> and decided to make Gizmo the hero of the film. <laughs> Oh. We see Pete and Billy hanging out with Mr. Hanson and he's explaining to them how metamorphosis works and a lot of other big words
1: that I didn't feel like trying to figure out how to spell. <laughs> but there's the line in there where it's like, right now it's going through changes, and Pete's like, like my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Normally I
0: would leave a little scene out, but the cameos and this one's so hardcore. It cuts back to the house, and we see Mama Peltzer getting a call from Pops, and he's at an inventor's convention and before I get to the cameos, the best part is you can see the time machine from the novel <laughs> the time machine in the background yes. <laughs> and somebody firing it up. And then you see a guy dressed just like Joe Dante with the glasses in the booth next. So it's not Joe Dante, but it's it was actually Billy's uh, body double or whatever. Oh, okay. like his stand- his stand- actor. In. But they dressed him up like Joe Dante. And then the guy behind pops is Jerry Goldsmith, the composer on the phone. And then you see a guy with a broken leg who actually had a broken leg, it was Steven Spielberg in this little mechanical car driving by with his leg propped up, and if you notice, the suitcase says SS Enterprises, which is a double joke. Steven Spielberg, and then the spaceship in Star Trek is the SS Enterprise. Okay. So I thought it was kind of funny. But the camera cuts back to mom at the house, and then when it cuts back to pops, the fucking time machine's gone, and there's smoke, and there's people looking around for it. I've and, never fucking noticed that. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Not at all. I swear to God, I've never noticed that. That is one of the best Easter eggs in the fucking history of film. Because it's, it's there, and then it cuts away, and it cuts back, and it's
1: gone, and there's people are like, where the so, fuck did it go? So when they cut back and it's gone in the background, is that when he's delivering lines like the competition here is a little stiffer than I expected? <laughs>
0: Actually, I think so, but somewhere around there. <laughs> Fuck. But anyways, I'll get back to the main plot, but that's fucking one of my favorite movie Easter eggs of all time. We see at both the school and the Peltzer house that the um, the cocoons start to hatch at both locations. And I, I say at the Peltzer house, I just want to say Billy has the fucking coolest attic ever to turn into <laughs> a bedroom. I was always jealous of that growing up.
1: I like heat and air too much.
0: <laughs> but honestly, they look like the face hugger cocoons from Aliens. Yeah, they do. Like the way they're popping open. But as the cocoons start to hatch, Gizmo's in the room and he starts to hide at this point. And and I guess it's important to say at this point, Gizmo had very little moving scenes. Yeah. Up until this point in the movie. And Chris Wayless had to make hundreds of puppets. And I think he said it took five puppeteers per puppet to move them. And he restricted Gizmo's movement because he didn't have that many scenes before he turned into Stripe. And he put a lot of work into Stripe. And then Steven told the overworked <laughs> Chris Wayless that Gizmo was going to be moving and the hero through the rest of the movie. And he had to quickly with his team figure out how to build a fucking fully functional gizmo doll. Yeah. And that's the first we see of it. He backs into like a football helmet or something, right? And he hides. Back at the classroom, though, Mr. Hansen uh, has ended class, and he's trying to find his mogwai and lure him out with a candy bar that's under a desk where he thinks it's a good idea to stick the food and wave his fucking arm where he can't see. And this strong motherfucker grabs his arm and yanks him under, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Billy arrives to the classroom, and he finds him dead with a lethal injection in his ass. Why the fucking high school teacher had lethal injection? I don't know. But originally in Chris Columbus's script, and they shot it this way, <laughs> yeah. the Magwai was so fucking mad from getting his blood taken that he stabbed him over and over again with a face full of syringes, and he's supposed to be laying on his back with just syringes everywhere. And Steven Spielberg is like, mm-mm. See this <laughs> and they cut it.
1: There's a I know there's a scene you're gonna get into later, but like this, this and Goonies, man. I want my hard R version right. of both of these. <laughs>
0: But uh, Billy tries to use the phone and we see a claw of a monster come up, scratch his hand, and then escapes to the vents. That's the first little look you get at a gremlin. It's a much creepier looking hand than a Magui hand.
1: Yeah, and I want to just to take a step back. I like when 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 they're hatching and Gizmo's hiding, and even like when they're eating and everything. Even though it's fucking puppets, they do a great job of just through Gizmo's expressions of Gizmo knows, like right. like the 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 fucking lizard part of his brain <laughs> <laughs> knows what what kind of bad shit's going down. And the, I mean, honestly, these are the most impressive
0: puppets to date.
1: Yeah, this movie is a fucking. This is why practical works and why practical will always work. I don't
0: think this movie would work redone in CGI. Hell no. And if they do make the Gremlins 3 movie, which Chris has said he's finished the script for, it's the only hope I have for it is Chris wrote it. I know. And he said he wouldn't do it for years. So I'm thinking he might have. He said they want to go back to the roots in the small town. So you know, we'll see. And it still might never get made. But hopefully he can talk these motherfuckers into using puppets. Because, the I mean, the eye movement, the face movement, they worked so hard. And yep. Chris Wallace is a fucking genius. <laughs> but anyways, Billy runs to the nurse's office because he needs a bandage. And w- the fucking gremlin busts out of the cabinet behind him. And that's when you really see it. And it's like, oh, my God, this thing's fucked up. <laughs> <you."> <laughs> Back at home, we see the gremlins torturing Gizmo. I think he's hung up on a dartboard. <laughs> <checking> darts. <laughs> yes. That was actually Chris Wallace's crew was so fucking sick and tired of working on making these fucking things. They actually had like a suggestion box on what they could do to torture Gizmo in the movie. <laughs> and that's the one Joe let him have.
1: That's awesome.
0: The Grimman's throwing darts at him. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, but the mom hears what's going on upstairs and she fucking grabs a kitchen knife to go upstairs and investigate. It's probably one of the toughest fucking horror movie moms of all time, as you're about to see. Yes, yeah, she's great. She goes up there, finds the hatched cocoons as Billy's trying to call her to get her out of the house. But Stripe pulls the phone line. And the battle music kicks in. Do
1: you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear?
0: As Billy's trying to get home to save his mom, we see her throw down with all the gremlins in the kitchen. And this scene is fucking graphics. Yes. By today's standards. Yes. And this movie was rated PG and it's pissed people off. And I I might in the Poltergeist episode said Poltergeist was part of the calls of the PG-13. Kind of because that was also Spielberg and it wasn't like super horrific. But the real problems was Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, and this yep. movie getting rated PG and people getting pissed. And he I mean Steven Spielberg, he was the <laughs> made them make him a rating, PG 13, and we got it primarily because of these two. Not primarily we got it because of these two films. Yeah. But she gets one of the gremlins, shoves it in the blender, and fucking turns it on, and it just slams. <laughs> It just slings fucking gore everywhere. (laughs) She stabs one of them violently with a knife. And you originally like they had filmed the scene of it trying to pull the knife out of its chest. They cut it because they thought it was too graphic, but you can see it in the background later. He's just trying to yank the knife out. (laughs) she sprays another one down with like flea and tick spray into the microwave and turns the microwave on and he fucking explodes as he (laughs) nukes. uh, Don't fuck. With Mama Pelton, that's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. She might, you know, we can have our most badass final girl competition and debate it. This is probably the most badass whore mom.
1: Oh, yeah. She takes no shit. She knows what situation she's into, and she handles shit. <laughs> right. But
0: mom hears some more gremlins in the living room, and she arms herself with dual knives as she charges in. She's attacked from the Christmas tree, and this was Josh's scene he was talking about earlier <laughs> with the fucking red eyes. You can also see the guy's red sweater that's behind the tree. and push it. There's so many rods and shit I noticed watching the commentaries <laughs> I never noticed before. And like we would have touched that up nowadays. Yeah, but it's I never fucking noticed it. But the fucking gremlin in the tree knocks the tree on her. It's attacking her, and it looks violent how it's, like, choking her from behind and slamming her. She was great at acting with the fucking (laughs) puppet. Stripe's somewhere in the fucking room, but Billy comes running in with a sword, because we saw earlier that the dad has swords on the wall where he hangs his hat, knocking it into the fireplace, killing it, and then Stripe fucking gets away. However, Chris originally wrote it, where when Billy came home, his mom's fucking decapitated head started rolling down the stairs. Yes. What the fuck, Chris? They let this guy make Harry Potter movies. I want kids, and I want carnage. Like I said, he never intended for the script to be a film, right? (laughs) That's what he says. (laughs) He did write it in college, though. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But Billy gets his mom out of the house, takes her to the neighbor who's conveniently a doctor, and goes back home for gifts. They track Stripe down to the YMCA pool, where he attacks Billy. And he I don't remember if he dies or gets knocked into the water. And we get this fucking psychedelic light show in the pool as uh, Billy escapes. And previously, we saw what happened when water splashed on Gizmo or when a drop of water was put on Gizmo. It's quite fucking exponential when he's in a swimming pool yeah. surrounded by water and mega multiplying. Ooh, I like that term. Mega multiply. (laughs) I'm going to coin that. But Billy runs to the police station and explains everything to him. And the (laughs) cops take him very seriously. Did your father always give you uh, vicious little monsters for a present? Billy tries to convince him that he's telling the truth by showing them Giz, who's adorable and unites the world.
1: Like, oh, you're afraid of this, huh?
0: (laughs) Then we see that the gremlins are raising hell through town, extras running everywhere with gremlins attached to them. And we cut to the Flutterman's house. And they fuck with his TV reception. And he has a perfectly good explanation for it. Goddamn fine TV. He goes to check on the antenna and he sees that the Gremlins stole his snowplow and drive it through his house at him. And it's actually kind of left uncertain if he's dead at that point. Yeah. He's not, but the way they shot it, it looks fucking dead. And,
1: and this is the point in the movie where we start getting the dent, 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 dent. Like this, the music makes it. It reminds you that you're in a comedy, not to take it too seriously, but fucked up shit is happening at this point. <laughs> I actually love that score. Oh, yeah. It's oh, it's so close to being cheesy, but it,
0: it's fucking perfect. Um, the next scene, though, we cut to a priest coming out of the church to drop his mail off. I think it was Joe Dante said, like, this is his favorite scene. This is, like, what a gremlin's all about. But he keeps putting his mail in the, the slot, and he gets thrown <laughs> back at him. And then another man walks up and looks at him. He's like, even Father. And he doesn't say shit to the guy. And he lets the guy stick his mail in just yes. to see what'll happen. And he gets his fucking arm eaten off through the mailbox. <laughs> there was actually a cut scene with the priest, and you figure out these little loopy and stuff. Uh, okay. And it was irrelevant. <laughs> Back at the police station, the cops are playing with Gizmo, and they get a call about monsters attacking all over the town and at the Futterman's house, and they send Billy home. Oh, and Mrs. (laughs) Beagle, the crazy cat lady. We cut to her house, and there's a whole plot from this movie that was cut. She owns the real estate agency, which is only open for 15 minutes out of the day if you look at the sign in front of her house. Oh, really? Yeah, and she owned the noodle factory that Mr. Futterman worked at. And she shut it down to bankrupt lots of the families in the house so she could foreclose on their house, partnered with the bank, with Gerald and the bank owner, to get them out to put chemical plants in their place. So she's Walmart. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but that was like a whole plot they cut out. But it says it's her real estate business, Open 15 minutes out of the day, and she's a crazy old cat lady. And all the cats are named after money in yes. different languages, which is kind of funny. And she hears Christmas carolers no, outside. No, <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Man. When the cats are fighting her, yeah. she's being as shit. Like, you would think this would humanize her, but you know, like, man, them cats need to eat her. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because there's a scene that was cut here. So in the movie, she hears
0: Christmas carolers, gets pissed, opens the door, and it's the gribblings dressed in clothes singing. And then she slams the door and she says, oh, my heart, like all that shit again. But originally, she's watching TV, and there's a picture of her husband on the table, right? Her late husband. Yeah. And she hears Christmas carolers and opens the door, and there's actual Christmas carolers out there. And this is the only cut scene I wish they had a cat. And she starts going off on them. But while she's doing that, some of the gremlins pop their head out of the snow next to them and are rocking like they <laughs> like the music. And it's it's to show they start mocking humans. Like yeah. that's why they put on the clothes and start singing. They cut all that, right? And But she sat down. The reason why they cut it is she sat down on the couch and she said something like endearing to her husband's picture. And like, no, she's not that nice.
1: <laughs> so I cut the whole thing. But no, I agree because that explains a lot more about how fast the gremlins pick up on shit. Now, how they figure out the lyrics to. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work. We go so fast. (laughs) We don't know how many times they watched it. Touche. It could have been a repeat. You know, the wife and I have argued about that scene, and that's one thing that's never come up between the two of us. Like, maybe it's not the first time they've seen it. (laughs)
0: Because if you remember when Kate and Billy and Gizmo go out in town, they're like, where the fuck were they at? They were everywhere, raising hell hours ago. They've been watching that movie over and over again. Disney fans. But uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, you're like, I wonder how they got the rights to play Snow White? Yeah. Spielberg, man. It's going to be my only answer. <laughs> Spielberg and Disney have always had some sort of relationship. There's still an Indiana Jones show at Disney World. Yeah. Which is not a Disney movie. But Mrs. Deagle, though, <laughs> terrified of the gremlins and crying about her heart, gets in her fucking awesome staircase wheelchair thingy. <laughs> which has been modified by the gremlins to launch her into fucking space. <laughs> and she's thrown out the window, and the cops roll up right as she flies out and hits the ground. Yes. The cops see this, and <laughs> I love this part. They see Santa running out of a house covered in gremlins fucking eating his face, and they don't try to help him. And uh, these cops are almost like last house in the left <laughs> level, right? But I just love the deputies like, that's blah, blah, blah. He's Santa Claus yes. every year. You're just like waiting on one of them to light a cigarette or something. Right. <laughs> but they try to take off, but they don't realize that the Gremlins have cut their brake line and they crash and fucking die. And I'm pretty sure those are the only two cops in the city. <laughs> we cut to Billy and his Volkswagen Beetle that he couldn't get to crank earlier. Finally fucking cranks and he heads off to go save Kate. On the radio, he hears Pete call. As the DJ's getting attacked,
1: <laughs> Rock and Rowdy, yeah. <laughs> I
0: forget his fucking name. You're not rockin' Rowdy fans or whatever the fuck he says. We see that his, <laughs> we see this dad's on the road and he's trying to call home and he can't get a hold of everybody, and that's what he sells like the smokeless ashtray to the, the fucking gas station attendant. He's apparently a guy that's in almost all of Joe Dante's movies and he called him just to throw him in a fucking scene. Oh, okay. We cut to the tavern, though, where Kate works. And this is one of the best scenes yes, in the movie. Hands it was down. Fucking packed with gremlins, like wall to wall. They're getting hammered. They're smoking cigarettes. Apparently, beer does not make them multiply when they pour it on them. I just want to point that out. Yes, thank you. They're playing darts. They're playing Russian roulette. Uh, they're dancing. And you like this, the super madness aerobic scene. Like it's fucking badass. <laughs> an interview with. Um, Phoebe Cates and Zach Galligan, they were saying that, like, when they would see like uh, parts of the movie as they were putting it together, or when they saw it in theaters, they were like, What the fuck? Because none of the gremlins were there when they filmed their scene. Yeah. And they just did, like, the tavern scenes. They would get asked to do these weird, like, stances and shots and had no clue why. And Joe Dante, like Mike Flanagan, was a fucking editor before he was a director. So, like, he's got all this shit planned out as he's making it. He's like, I need you to do this, this, and this. And then I'm going to get. Fucking, I'm going to make Chris cry and come out here and do some shit with some puppets.
1: And the whole time he's telling the uh, effects dude, he's like, you're going to need to build this for the shot over here. And he's like, when the fuck am I going to have time? (laughs) (laughs) But uh,
0: Kate, trying to get out, managed to stun all of them with her fucking Polaroid camera flash Yep. until Billy arrives in his car, crashing through the window with the headlights on, bright
1: light, they scamper. She makes it into well, the car. Well, that's a real dark scene because just before she gets out, one of the fucking gremlins pulls a gun on her and is holding right. her there at gunpoint. And that, that's the other part of the movie that feels too dark to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not scared of guns or anything, but it's like, this is fun. This is f- Oh, shit. This shit's real. They know how to use weapons. <laughs> oh, my God. They're using tools. <laughs> <laughs> but she makes
0: it into the car, gets scared when she meets Giz, which he explains he's cool. And then Billy can't start the car. Why the fuck? Did he turn off the car that he can't normally start? Goddamn foreign cars. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) It's fucking German machinery, man. shit should should run great. They decide to make a run for it, and we can see the gremlins are raising hell everywhere. And this is actually the scene, I think, where there's just, like, fucking extras flailing with with gremlins on them. And there's a lot going on. Like, you can see in all the windows and all the buildings, there's fucking shit getting destroyed by them. It's a really cool shot. (laughs) But they find shelter, and Kate says that she has another reason to hate Christmas now. And she tells him the most fucking horrific story ever about her father going missing on Christmas when she was a child and no one could find him for weeks. And she went to go light the fire in the chimney and when she lit it, she could smell something awful burning. They called the fireman who broke through the chimney and found her father's corpse in the chimney dressed as Santa with his neck broken and a sack of presents because he tried to crawl down the chimney and surprise her and fucking slipped and snapped his neck and died. And that's how she found out there was no Santa
1: Claus. (laughs) What leads someone to this? I mean, come on. How many chimneys have you been near? I can't fit in any of them. I'm fat. (laughs) This scene actually proved to be one of the most
0: controversial scenes in the entire film. Oh, yeah. And as much as Steven Spielberg was like, no, you got to cut that shit. You got to cut that shit. When the studio said this scene had to go and Joe said he wanted it, Steven fought for him and kept it. And the reason why Joe wanted to keep it, the studio said, we can't tell if this scene's supposed to be scary or funny. And he said, <laughs> exactly, like the whole movie. Like that scene is supposed yeah. to summarize the whole movie. And I'm glad they kept it because it's one of the best scenes. And then they later get to make fun of it in the sequel.
1: Well, and it's it's also, to go off on a tangent, it's also your only real backstory into kate right and like you know where is she i mean it's not important but there's there's just enough for everybody you know what i mean
0: and supposedly joe dante wanted phoebe kate the whole time like when he read the script he's like and she's kate no he
1: he saw that fucking pool scene like the rest of us (laughs) and
0: she's kate (laughs) but he knew he had to have her right And he was having trouble finding somebody in California or LA where the fuck they did the casting to play Billy. So he went to New York. And apparently it was like the chemistry of the two of them is why he like had to have them because Zach was like a nobody at the time. And legend has it that there was like after they were done shooting their scene, the camera was still rolling. They didn't realize it. And Zach put his head on her shoulder and said something goofy to her. And it was still rolling. And, and Steven Spielberg saw that. And he's like, yeah, we're getting them. But she did little things like they point out in one of the commentaries, like there's there's like a speck of sawdust or whatever on Billy's shoulder in the tavern yep. while fucking Gerald's hitting on her and she like tells him to fuck off and then pulls the speck off of his shoulder. She actually found the sawdust and put it on his shoulder before they started shooting so that she could pull it off just to show like endearment. And honestly, I thought there was like almost no fucking romance or chemistry between the two of them the whole movie other than that one scene. And that was all her? And she tried to save it. But anyways, we're going to quickly dive into the final act of the film here. (laughs) Billy, Kate, and Gizmo run out into the fucking Thunderdome, and they're trying to figure out where in the hell all the gremlins are. And they track them down to the movie theater, where they're watching Snow White, even Stripe. We're watching Snow White. And they love it. This scene is great, because there are hundreds of fucking gremlins in the scene. And Chris was like, You want what? Because he said earlier when he was reading the script for the movie, there was like, he said, I started seeing verbiage like thousands of gremlins in the streets. And he's like, What? Yep. <laughs> and he had to make all these gremlins. So, like, he has like the mechanical ones in the front doing shit. And then he has some of them that just have like wire marionette arms moving. And then as you get further back, he has what he calls the gremlin hat. So it's somebody wearing a gremlin on their head with hand puppet gremlins on each hand so that one person's three gremlins. And at some point, he ran out of gremlins and started using stuffed raccoons in the background. (laughs) And they have, like, popcorn bags on their head and fucking Mickey Mouse ears and just anything to disguise them. Oh,
1: epic scene. Epic shot.
0: It's awesome. But Billy decides that he's going to kill them all right here because they're all gathered together. And he goes and breaks the gas main for the boiler room in the basement of the theater open and lights a cloth on fire, and they make a fucking run for it. And all the gremlins inside are blown up, except for Stripe, who went out for candy. Yum. So since Stripe was away, he was away from the blast and therefore survived. They know he's the leader, though, and they have to stop him. (laughs) Because I think they see him like across the street. They're like, yeah, we got him, and they can see him in the candy store right across the street. I guess it kind of abruptly jumps to the department store, but maybe the candy store is like the front. Store the front shop in the department store, maybe. I
1: I think so because that because they go over there and don't they go over there and go through the window and then they're suddenly in the department store. Yeah, they
0: want to go kill Stripe, but they end up in like a fucking J C Penney or something, right? (laughs) It's a Sears, it honestly, looks like a Sears (laughs) somewhere. It does. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But Kate and giz go to safety and try to get all the lights on. They're like trying to do the breakers and the fuses to get them. As Billy hunts for Stripe with a baseball bat in hand, went in full fucking Negan style. Billy is attacked several times. By Stripe throughout the store. Once with bust Frisbees. Once with a ball-pitching machine. <laughs> yes. He's shot with a crossbow in the arm. And oh. uh, then he's attacked by a fucking chainsaw. And it's because Dante wanted a Texas Chainsaw Massacre scene in there. So he had Stripe bust through with a fucking chainsaw. Why not? Perfect place. While all this is going on, Gizmo finds shutters that he can open for the store. And he can let the sunlight in, because we know sunlight will flat-out kill them, right? It was supposed to be Billy. So what happens in the original cut of the movie, Gizmo opens one blind and then Billy opens the other and cooks them. Right. Well, they wanted Gizmo to be the heroes. They cut it out and edited it where it looked like Gizmo opened both of them. But Gizmo decides to put his fast and the furious Tokyo drift skills to use (laughs) that he saw earlier from watching TV. And he gets a fucking Barbie car that for some reason has working gas and brake pedals and a steering wheel. It takes a certain kind of guy. (laughs) And he gooses this bitch through the fucking mall, through Barney's foot, what an asshole. And uh, meanwhile, Billy's holding Leather Stripe off with a baseball bat, <laughs> like blocking the chainsaw with the bat as he's just fucking chewing through it with the chainsaw blades. And Kate manages to get the interior lights on finally, dazing Stripe. Stripe manages to find a fountain and he dives in to get all wet so he can start reproducing again. I did not mean for that to sound <laughs> that dirty, but I realized halfway through it that, that that was fucked up <sighs> in the background though. You can hear the radio DJ and he says that the Marines have arrived and they're on the way to hunt those things down. <laughs> Very, yeah, it's, it's like he just comes in. This is rocking Ricky. a noise thing is I've been?
1: never fucking noticed before. <laughs> fuck. <laughs>
0: But Stripe crawls into the water, and Gizmo ramps into the room in his Barbie Dream car, pulling the shutter cable as he falls through the air, letting the sunlight in to kill Stripe. And this scene always makes me think of Jerry dying at the end of Fright Night. (laughs) Probably because I saw him about the same time. And I used to actually mix up Billy and Charlie. Okay. Yeah, like all the time when I was a kid. But yeah, he fucking oozes and melts, and it looks badass. And for some reason, Rand Peltzer pops. Shows up at the department store like he knew what was going on the whole time. And we see that Giz has survived, luckily, and they cover him up to get him out. And uh, when Billy goes to check on Stripe's corpse, we have the moment where the supposedly dead killer is supposed to get up for one last scare. Yes. But then he turns into Ooze and the group leaves safely. Yeah. And he's like all
1: fucking <gasps>
0: fucking wheezing shit. Yeah. Like it's, it's pretty creepy how he just pops up one last time. Yeah. Uh, it's um, rough. And then we, we hit the ending here. We pop to the Peltzer house where we see the family safe. And the news is saying that the police say that it was all mass hysteria as a series of random accidents happened in the small community. It's the howling news guy, by the way, doing the news report. Oh, really? Yeah. According yeah, yeah. Um, to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> fucking propaganda, man. The old Chinese man shows up from the beginning and returns the money. And he says that he did not sell gizmo to him. <laughs> And he's taking them back. And the old man lets the family have their farewells and tells Billy that maybe one day he'll be ready. The end. How, how how did the Chinese guy find the house? There's lots of questions I have. Okay. I do want to say that it is the end, but we get another cool voiceover from Hoyt uh, about... if. There's something on the fritz in your house or something's broken or something's under your bed. There might just be a gremlin in your house. And I fucking always love that. Yes. I did find out that the old guy pretty much ad-libbed the entire final scene. Yep. Which is pretty cool because it's perfect.
1: Well, they start, uh, what is the word? Gizmo starts repeating something and uh, they, they start saying the Chinese word for foreigner. Is what they're saying. Oh, okay. And I don't remember what the fucking word is that Gizmo starts saying a bunch at the end. Because he's like, you wanna ba-da-da? And he sa- whatever he says to Gizmo is the Chinese word for foreigner.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know that part. This is a fucking classic movie that I've seen. God knows how many times. I've never met anyone who doesn't like it. You can watch it year-round, but it's always got to pop up at Christmas. Yep. I can't say anything bad except for a couple of loose plot holes, which pretty much get made fun of in the sequel which some people shit on the sequel. I fucking like the sequel, but not the same way. Like Gremlins exactly. is this awesome fucking comedy horror Christmas movie and Gremlins to the new batch is basically almost like a parody. Yep. Except for it's made by Joe Dante. I think Rick Baker did the fucking special effects yes, on it. Yes, he the did. Special effects are top notch. There's lots of famous actors and horror movie references and they make fun of every little plot hole like the, Oh, what if they're eating and they get food stuck in their teeth before midnight, but then it's midnight? <laughs> what if
1: he's on an airplane and he crosses? You know, like it's yes. like, but they did, they got Billy and Kate back, which right. had they not done that, Mr. It would not have. Yep. If they had, hadn't done all that, they wouldn't have survived. But old Chinese man, they got everybody. Yep. Um. But yeah, same for me. Watch this since I was a kid, love it pretty much for the same reasons as i get older i don't i don't see it differently as right. i get older and uh, it's the first movie that goes in when we're setting up our tree that <laughs> is awesome that is every christmas
0: i'm glad i can torture my children with it now um it's funny i didn't realize how
1: gruesome the
0: kitchen scene was till i was an adult when i was a yep. kid it didn't even fucking faze me well see it's that's funny that,
1: when i was a kid that shit that creeped me out like the fucking tree man there's there's a gremlin in the tree <laughs> You apparently don't like red eyes
0: peeking out of shit. We've learned something today. You got deep issues. I'm just, I'm, I'm aware of the demons. But we've heard my choice for Christmas horror movie for 2019. So now we got to go into Josh's, which I had never actually seen before this episode, which was 2015's Krampus.
1: And this is the good Krampus from 2015, because there was like three that came out the same damn year. It's so funny. I went to go watch the Josh's movie, and I'm like
0: do you want to do Krampus or do you want to do a different? Cause we had a list of uh, Christmas horror movies to choose from. Cause we were going to do four at first. I said, or do you want to do a different movie and then do the whole Krampus trilogy? And he's like the Krampus what? <laughs> I'm like, this is a fucking trilogy. I was like, there was one in 2015, 16, like 17. And it turns out that there were two Krampus movies called Krampus that came out like less than a year apart. Yep. And <laughs> the, what the shitty one apparently is a trilogy or, or there's two <laughs> of them or something. And there's, well,
1: The all right one. They may be okay. Whoa. Did you just refer to this one as the all right one?
0: (laughs) I've never seen the other
1: ones. Uh, The other ones I have no idea. But this was the good Krampus um, directed by Michael Doherty and uh, also written by him with a little writing help from Todd Casey and Zach Shields, which did a bunch of animated stuff. Yeah. Didn't see anything uh, of note to me. And of course, Michael Doherty fucking trick or treat. Right, right, right. Really, really. Want a sequel, but, uh, at least we got a movie that takes place in the same universe. I was trying to figure out why I knew his name. So it's IMDb
0: and it says trick or treat 2 pre-production. I know, but i mean it's IMDb. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Some asshole said it fucking looper said it. So they put it on there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, as per usual, I can't remember people's names. So I'm going through them at the beginning. got, uh, MJ Anthony as max which I don't know. I didn't recognize anything else he's been in. Um, Adam Scott as his father, Tom, who's been in a fuck ton yeah. of shit. Um, I liked him in that show, uh, Ghosted. Okay. I hadn't seen that one. But uh, I hadn't. I know he's been in a bunch of other stuff that I hadn't seen him in.
0: I always think of him in uh, Step Brothers fucking singing Sweet Child of Mine, and he's telling his wife not be a bitch and fucking bring in the high part.
1: I've only seen that movie once. <laughs> um, Tony Collette. Um, as Sarah, who has been in a fuck ton of shit, including the fucking Fright Night remake, right? And uh, uh,
0: most recently, Hereditary.
1: I still haven't seen that. Oh, I'm probably going to be me and you. You know how they say that movie divides people. You either fall into this category or this category. I think we're going to be on opposite sides. I
0: think you're going to watch it three or four times just in a row, just so you can catch everything hiding in the background in every fucking shot. But
1: isn't it like over two hours long? Oh.
0: <laughs> two hours of greatness.
1: We've got a. Uh, Stefania Owen as Beth, um, who her little sister is actually the cousin Stevie. Right. Who'd shown up at casting and they're like, who's she? We want her. So <laughs> that was kind of neat. Um, and she was in the lovely bones, which you had mentioned before, which I haven't seen. Um, got Conchata Farrell, which is aunt Dorothy, which I really hope I said her fucking first name, right? <laughs> she's so fucking funny, but you know, two and a half men, Edward Scissorhands. She's in an episode of Buffy for fuck's sake. Yeah. She's in a lot of stuff. Um, We've got Alison Tolman as Linda. I know her from Fargo. And then David Keckner as Howard, which a metric fuck ton of comedic roles. I always think I'm from Anchorman. Which I still haven't seen. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but I got to do, I'm going to do a little bit of backstory here, both personal and movie related. So, you know, Matt and Rachel. When I say Matt and Rachel, yes, they just went to Germany. Okay. They were at a fucking Krampus festival. Okay. With the the Krampuses with kids in cages and shit. Rachel even got either whipped or spanked by a Krampus. <laughs> we just got our Christmas card from them, which is a Krampus Christmas card, which goes to where this movie came from. Uh, Michael Doherty got a Krampus e-card and he was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and went digging into it. And that's kind of what set this whole thing in motion.
0: I did read somewhere when he was trying to decide what to make Krampus look like. He basically just took different pictures of him that he'd seen on different random ships yep. and put it together, which is cool. Cause there is so many different versions of him. I actually don't think I'd ever heard of Krampus until it might've been after this movie, but that TV show grim, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you know, he fights like the grim fairy tale monsters and yeah. for the Christmas episode, he has to fight fucking Krampus oh, okay. and I was like, what's a Krampus? And I looked it up and I want to say it was around the time, like right before this movie, right after this movie came out. And it all just kind of clicked. But funny personal story for me was I got a Halloween card from Josh and his wife one year. I'm sorry, a Christmas <laughs> card, right? Yes. It was a Christmas card and they're screaming in a snow globe. I just didn't. I was like, okay, it's Christmas. They like horse shit. It's scary. Ah, and then like I was watching this movie for the first time three days ago and I had a eureka moment and I thought I'd share <laughs> that. I'm a fucking idiot.
1: We have uh, not this year, but yes, the past two years we've done Krampus movie Christmas. Cards. <laughs> That's some funny shit, man.
0: All the pieces are falling together now.
1: <laughs> um, and now this movie was, of course, partially inspired by gremlins and poltergeist family horror films like i
0: could actually see that with a lot of the creepy scenes
1: exactly um and for me this movie is the best example of how horror can go anywhere since gremlins because you know gremlins really pulls it all together it's a holiday movie it's a family movie right it's a comedy it, you know it, it goes everywhere
0: honestly this movie was not bad to me at all it was a fun ride that i enjoyed but i don't know if i'd regularly watch it except for there's a part now when you get to it when the shit hits the fan in this uh-huh. movie like I was along for the ride. When other Courtney than that, Love's
1: doppelganger shows up. <laughs> other, than, <laughs>
0: other than that, like it's a bunch of really fucking funny jokes. Yeah, it it. And there's not it, a lot going on other than that. It, it
1: takes a while to get going. Um, I always do this at the beginning, so fuck it. Um, every department on the production had a family member die during the production of the movie damn kind of fucked up including i believe michael doherty's dog i was listening to it on the commentary and there's three people fucking talking and i couldn't tell who was talking and i tried looking it up so nobody hold me to this but one of the three writers after they finished filming the scene when the dog gets eaten said you've got a phone call your bulldog just like the dog in the movie (laughs) is dead fucking weird not saying there's a poltergeist curse or anything but time will tell i think somebody's dog died on poltergeist
0: Amongst, you know, actual human yeah. beings. You did remind me of a funny gremlin fact, though. Apparently they were scared about getting Steven Spielberg to approve the, uh, the, the, the look, no, no, <laughs> the, the appearance of gizmo and they had made him like just solid brown with long hair, like a German shepherd kind of, and they decided to. I think it was Joe Dante was like, make it the same colors as this Cocker Spaniel. Yep. Because Steven Spielberg actually was not on set for Gremlins. He trusted <laughs> Joe Dante to do it because he was busy making fucking Dimble of Doom. And they sent him the picture like, we made it look like your dog. And he's like, and it's okay. And <laughs> So you just made me think of that when you said a dog. It's a pretty funny way to get your fucking creature effects in the way you want. Oh, hell yeah.
1: Like, yeah. I love that. I come home to that. (laughs) Um, And the last little thing here is this was shot in New Zealand. So, of course, we have Weta Workshop and Weta Digital doing everything in the film. I did not know about the Weta Digital, but I'm not surprised about New Zealand because I swear almost everything is filmed in New Zealand. Usually just things with the outdoor scenes, though. That's what's fucked up. There are no outdoor... No outdoor shots in this entire film. I
0: I really felt like it was on a on a sound yeah, stage. Yeah, it's all
1: sound stage. Um, I do want to say that Weta actually they do from from the workshop do their own releases of their props as collectibles and shit. So we of course have the bell, and they did the cherub as a fucking tree topper, and so that's <laughs> what's on our tree every year. But. uh We open with the hell that is Black Friday set to it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas.
0: Fucking when the people got tased, I lost my shit, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is insane. And it, it comes to a head with us seeing Max throwing down at a recital. Now, this big box store that all this happens in the opening credits is the only thing in the movie shot on location. And they had a very hard time finding people that weren't white to be in this. (laughs) They're like, it's New Zealand. We think we got every person of color in New Zealand in this shot. Um and back at the house, Max says that he was couldn't help it. He was under the influence.
0: All I had to eat was Christmas fudge and candy cans.
1: But uh there's a quick interaction between him and Omi, which is you know, grandma. And we see that Max, even though he seems a little too old to be doing this, still believes in Santa. And he believes in the traditions, and you know, we should be happy and we should be celebrating. What and, are you insinuating about Santa Claus here? Oh, Jesse. <laughs> you know what my parents told me about Santa Claus? What? <laughs> So from a young age, my parents always told me that Santa Claus, the Easter bunny and all that kind of stuff weren't real because they were afraid that if I got to grow up as a kid thinking that they were real, when it got time to be the age to break my heart, that I would respond with, well, then Jesus and God aren't real either, are they? I actually have heard that a lot. And that's, I don't agree with what my parents did to me. I actually found (laughs) out because I got in a fight at school. Or daycare. God, fuck, Santa's real. <laughs>
0: yeah, and they're like, actually, actually, Jesse, don't tell your little brother, but he's not real. I, but I fucked up. Man. I had almost figured it out a few years before that because, like, uh, they a, I just went on tangent. But this is a Christmas episode. We got to talk about Christmas, exactly. right? Exactly. My parents got my brother and I eat the fucking Ghostbusters proton pack. Okay. With like, it had like a pool noodle that was the beam that would go yeah, in yeah. it. Yeah, I remember. We each got, got one, and we got a trap to share. And I also was given the fucking firehouse. All right. And in the car, we had the whole thing. I think my brother got the car and I got the firehouse and it was fucking awesome. We'd run around the house playing ghostbusters that whole January or December, probably even for the Christmas break. And I went in my parents' giant closet and the proton pack box and the firehouse box and all that stuff was in there. And then I asked my parents why the boxes were in there. Cause it was all Christmas. I guess the important part, Santa brought me these gifts, not my parents. They were Uh, already set up when I got, there was no boxes. And I asked, like, oh, well, Santa leaves the boxes in case there's something wrong. We have to return. (laughs) 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 But that's my my cool Christmas story from the 80s.
1: Santa is fallible. (laughs) But uh, we also get a reveal of Max's sister, Beth, who goes on a rant about the rest of the family coming to visit. Last year, I found shit in my bed, Mom. Human shit. So we keep seeing Max and Omi Bond because they're the only ones that truly believe in the spirit of Christmas. And apparently he speaks fluent German. Yes. Now, originally, um, Omi was going to be deaf or mute or whatever. And that's how this was going to work. But making her German worked out great because the woman that they ended up casting, they cast her like a few weeks before principal photography. And this woman's Austrian and she already knew the Krampus legend. Right. So she was a fucking shoe in, um, so as Beth skypes her boyfriend, dad drinks, and Max rushes through finishing his letter to Santa that Omi's, you know, asking him, have you finished? Because it's that kind of, fa- this is a family film full on at this point and continues to be that way for a little bit. The house shakes and the visitors arrive. It's the fucking Republican side of the family. And that's the <laughs> joke made throughout the, the fucking film. It is, it is. And uh, this vibe
0: right here when the family arrives and comes in is straight up. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. When the family arrives. I swear they were trying to fucking harness that scene right
1: there. <laughs> so we're introduced to Howard, Linda, Howie Jr., who bears a striking resemblance to the curly-haired kid in Trick or Treat. It's not him. <laughs> but it's like this. I don't. Anyways. I noticed that. And uh, and uh, their boys, I mean girls, come in. And that's uh, Stevie and Jordan, who are ultimate tomboys. And it doesn't seem to be by choice. <laughs> and uh, they quickly spot the letter to Santa in Max's back pocket. Then everyone gets surprised by Aunt Dorothy being there, too.
0: So where's the dog? I need to get married.
1: So we have a good bit of typical headbutting between the family, like, you know... Uh, sarah's bitching at her sister linda's like what hemorrhoids are a surprise like this is a surprise." (laughs) and dorothy's not a surprise and and dorothy's walking through the house and she's like oh my god it looks like martha stewart threw up in here right like like there's this whole we're the hoity-toity and they go into this and this is the only reason i'm saying it there's the hoity-toity side of the family the 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 hosts um being the liberal well-to-do and then the more rough around the edges, <laughs> conservative gun-toting hot dogs and macaroni fucking Because, right. I mean, I
0: think there's even a line, they're like, why do rich people get all the fucking free shit? They're like, probably because of the Democrats, honey. <laughs> yes.
1: So just more of, of of how they can all be at each other's throats. But, hey, they're family.
0: I mean, they basically found a way to put actual family arguments into the film. Yeah.
1: Which is what Christmas is all about. Exactly. And Thanksgiving, eh, birthdays, anytime you got to get them together because you can't, you can pick your friends, you can pick your nose, you can pick your ass, but you can't pick your family. Can you pick my ass? Yes, you can pick your family's ass. So over dinner, Howard brings up his shotgun that he keeps in his truck. It's going to be important later because that's better than the Eagle Scout's. Because there's this whole thing between, oh, I was preparing. It was like, what were you preparing to do? Be a Girl Scout? Like, Eagle Scouts. That's where you learn to weave baskets and help little <laughs> old ladies cross the street, right? Like, he's just berating him right. about, about how he's not a man. But, uh so the girls tell MaxiPad that Santa crashed. And I love it because they call him MaxiPad. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's so demeaning. But that uh Santa crashed and he had to eat his reindeer to survive.
0: Eight tiny reindeer.
1: Get it? Oh. So they end up busting out Max's letter and start reading it. And it's sappy. He's like, oh, Santa, all I wish is that mom and dad weren't so stressed out. And I wish that my aunt and uncle weren't so mad and blah, 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 blah. And and as she's reading the letter, she gets quieter and quieter. And you realize she's reading it to herself till she finds something that pisses her off. Screw you. Dad does not wish we were boys. So the girls start kicking his ass because he's trying to get the letter back. He ends up taking off upstairs. Dad tries to console him. And dad leaves and he's like, you know what? Fuck this. He doesn't say that. And he tears up the fucking letter to Santa and casts it to the wind. He doesn't believe anymore. Dark clouds roll (laughs) into the fucking city and a blizzard occurs. Because unbeknownst to him, he just called down the fucking power of Krampus. In America? Which, eh, Krampus gets around, man. Now, I don't know if I said this earlier or just when we were talking. I'm going to say it here in case I didn't, but I didn't know what the fuck Krampus was until I read that Kevin Smith was doing a movie called Comes the Krampus. And I'm like, what the fuck is a Krampus? And that's when I read about it. <laughs> so the next morning, power's out. Phones are out. But uh, Max sees this odd snowman out in the yard and comments on where to come from. And by odd, you
0: mean creepy as fuck.
1: Yeah. DHL arrives and makes a delivery and as the the guests are bringing it in, and this is where the free stuff Democrats thing right. comes up, um, it's like, is that you too? And he's like, must be the boys in Brown, because it's a big sack of something, like Santa's sack. So they bring it in as well. <laughs> Omi's dicking around in the fire. <laughs> and it's, There's a line from um, Sarah, the mom, to Max, where she's like, will you tell Omi to get out of the fire? Right, but she then, burns it, the
0: place down. Yeah,
1: and like they cut over to her, and she's like, I don't speak German, but she says something. It's like, she says hot chocolate makes everything better. And it's like, oh, like she's sitting there making hot chocolate. She's not crazy and going to fall into the fire. While all this is going on, Beth's like, I haven't been able to text my boyfriend for like four minutes. I got to go. And uh, it's like, it's only four blocks away. I can go. I can see if anybody else has power and like totally fucking not my daughter. Um <laughs> So she starts making her walk over to the boyfriend's house. Derek, I think his name is. He's not important. He's a stoner. Um, Not saying that stoners aren't important. I'm saying his character is not important in the movie.
0: I didn't even remember they showed him, and I watched it twice.
1: When she's Skyping with him, he's, like, holding up his bong. He's like, I've got better plans than hanging out with Ah, family. I remember
0: that. I was just saying, like, he was that unmemorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Fucking stoners. Um, Anyways. (laughs) I remember Spicoli from fucking Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You hear that, man? That's my skull. (laughs) So as Beth is walking the the four blocks over to the, the boyfriend's house, she's spotted by Krampus. And this is our first reveal of him, but it's at a distance. And he starts hopping from roof to roof. It's very reminiscent of another Weta-involved movie that was filmed in New Zealand because it looks like fucking what at the time you think is the Grim Reaper hopping from fucking roof to right, roof right. in the Frighteners. He also kind of makes me think of Loki from
0: the Avengers movies. But that's just because the giant fucking dual horns. Hadn't seen it.
1: So uh, she spots the DHL dude's van and he's croaked in it and she hides under it. And we see the hooved feet cloven. Isn't that how you say it? With a split hoo- feet. Split hooved feet. Cloven feet. Something. Anyways. Um, and he leaves a jack in the box under the van. And the music stops. Beth screams. The van shakes. And we cut to Max seeing another snowman appear. Because it seems that as people go missing, snowmen appear. I didn't catch that. I didn't catch it until the wife pointed it out. (laughs) I'll be honest. (laughs) So, was the first snowman the
0: DHL guy?
1: No, No, because his car, he's still frozen in the truck. I think it's either the snowplow driver or Derek. Gotcha. Don't know which one, but that's all theory here. Probably
0: the snowplow driver because Derek's whole family gets it.
1: True. And maybe by gingerbread. Well, anyways. So back home, Omi keeps the fire going, and uh Tom asks Howard if they can take his Hummer to go look for Beth because now he's freaking out, wondering where his daughter is. And Omi's starting to be like really scared at this point, not overtly, but just body language and shit. And uh, she tells them that they should wait until after the storm, and they leave anyways. And like she's sitting there and her hand shaking, and Max reaches up and grabs it because still just a little bit of a reveal of Krampus. It's been this family comedy movie as this dark shit starts to happen
0: and he's ready to get out of the house and show how badass his hummer is in the snow too right
1: well of course like all of us (laughs) i don't have hummer bro (laughs) oh i drive a subaru man (laughs) what can i say i drive a company truck (laughs) so they go out again and they spot the snow plow with no driver and Tom even makes a comment on it because uh, Howard's like, oh, he flew right out the windshield. And Tom's like, no, that windshield was broken from the outside. <laughs> and uh, they, so they go around back to get the guns. And uh, Howard grabs a shotgun and Tom grabs or hands Tom a pistol. It's kind of heavy.
0: Yeah, it's Linda's.
1: So they make it to Derek's and they find a gingerbread man stabbed into the refrigerator. And uh, they see that the fucking chimney's all fucked up and the fireplace is blown out and there's hoof prints in the snow that's blown in through the fucking doors and shit. Because like the doors and windows are all blown out and shit.
0: Yeah, because the whole wall down the chimney's cracked open and Howard's like, it must have been a gas explosion. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's not a gas fireplace, you asshole.
0: (laughs) That's what I was thinking.
1: While this is going on, they hear Beth screaming outside and they take off outside. And immediately Howard gets pulled under the snow, trimmer style. Like full on, like the jaws swinging back and forth, pulled under the lump in the snow. He who walks behind the rose fucking <laughs> goes off. I definitely got a Children of the Corn vibe, but it was funny watching this and
0: Gremlins back and forth because the Gremlins snuck around under the snow as well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Well,
1: we'll get we'll get to even more Gremlins tie-ins later. Uh, theory. But while this is going on, Tom starts shooting and saves him. Starts just shooting in the snow and the lump goes away. So they go back to the Hummer, and it's totally ripped to pieces, so they walk back. Back at home, Omi says they got to keep the fire hot, (laughs) while Dorothy gets told to go watch the children in the other room and secure the film's R rating. Now, I say that because she goes, come on, kids, let me show you how to make schnapps. And there's the whole bit where she's like a little sugar and spice, makes everything nice, and the the curly-haired kid's staring at her, and he's like, all right, but don't you rat me out. They were threatened with a fucking R rating because of that scene. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, because I can only think of them using their one fuck
0: they're allotted as a PG-13 movie.
1: And that's what I thought when I watched it with subtitles. Fucking dude who I can't pronounce his last name sneaks one in in the background in a scene. Oh. Yeah. Because he's like, blah, 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 fucking blah, blah, <laughs> Like, I never fucking caught that. <laughs> but the one
0: killer one is is great. I just want to point out I think it's really cool how she has to keep the fireplace lit so he can't come down the chimney. But is there, like, a fucking rule that he can't come through the window or the door?
1: I don't know, Fucking elven magic, man. I didn't write the rules. Because, I mean,
0: yeah, the elves come into play later, and they remedy the situation. But it's like, why can not he the window. through the window? Yeah. I don't, I don't So,
1: if you summon Krampus and you live in a house without a chimney... Okay, this is back to the Santa shit. <laughs> how do, how does Santa visit the kids in the apartments, mom? <laughs> <laughs> He's magic and he goes under the door crack. So now that we've established that there's magic, <laughs> there's some kind of Krampus magic that he fires his weakness. He is a snowy monster, even though he sends things into a pit of hellfire.
0: I feel like this is the eating after midnight thing all over again.
1: So the husbands kind of update the wives, but don't go into full detail. Just that it's dangerous outside <laughs> and they didn't find Beth. What, they didn't explain the (laughs) blowbang? What? (laughs) You watched a different version of the movie than I did, didn't you? (laughs) Cramp ass, right? (laughs) But even though they don't tell the wives the full story, they board up the house. So Howard and Tom kind of have a bonding moment where Howard thanks him for saving him. And uh, there's the whole thing about a shepherd's got to protect his flock, gets brought up again. And Tom tells Max that Omi has always gotten weird around Christmas. it's not just this Christmas. They agree to sleep in shifts and Howard gets first watch, passes the fuck out. More importantly, this allows the fire to go out. So this hook comes down the chimney with bells and a gingerbread man attached. That sounds just like Mr. (laughs) Hanky. We'll get to that in a second. (laughs) Tubby little Howie Jr., um, goes over to it and takes a bite out of the gingerbread man. And I say Tubby Little How- Howie Jr. Because when they first come in and uh, Max is talking to him, he's like, so what did you ask Santa for? A this, a that, a toy car? And Beth leans in and goes, dialysis?
0: <laughs> yes, I fucking love that part. I just want to oh. say, this part's fucking awesome because like, he, he goes to take a bite out of the gingerbread cookie and it wraps the fucking chain around him Slaps it like it's a horse's ass. And the gingerbread cookie fucking whistles yes. up the chimney and goes.
1: And his fat ass goes right up the chimney. This, of course, wakes everyone up. And there's a struggle. And they try to save him. But all they come away with is a shoe. Just like Pet Cemetery. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this was the point in the movie where I was like, what the fuck kind of movie am I watching? Because it was like pretty. Well, the dialogue was comical. Yeah. but. Well, <laughs> It was just like so far out there with the gingerbread cookies. Yes,
1: like, huh? <laughs> and he's totally been whistling and yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love the gingerbread man. But uh, while all this is going on, the embers from the fireplace catch the tree and all the gifts on fire. And that's going to be important. So Omi gets the fire going again. I mean, they mourn the loss of Howie Junior. But you know, he really didn't talk anything. He just drank Mountain Dew and burped no. and ate the little chicken. thing. Let's <laughs> say he ate the
0: little chicken. <laughs>
1: The hen, whatever the food was that Linda likes, that Sarah likes to make, that no one can pronounce, because <laughs> they give her shit for it. Yeah, because
0: Howard's like mine was dry, and uh, Adam Scott's like mine was was juicy and great, honey. Huh? He's like you must have got a better bird than I did <laughs> something, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't like I was doing something while I was watching it. And I just assumed they are eating like a turkey, and then uh, when I saw Howard junior eating a turkey on a stick, I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I get it.
1: Cornish game hens and shit. So Omi gets the fire going again and says Krampus is coming for them. And they're like, what the fuck is a Krampus? (laughs) And she tells the story of her childhood encounter with him. And it's done with her narration and goes into kind of like stop motion, claymation, like old school Christmas looking thing. But in her story, she says that all the people had given up on caring and had given up on Christmas and she gave up as well. And instead of St. Nicholas, she was visited by Krampus, who took her parents to the underworld, but spared her to be a reminder of what happens when you lose hope and give up on Christmas. It's a lot longer than that, but that's it in a nutshell. And Krampus also left behind a bell that she still has to this day. You believe this
0: senile horse shit? Uh, Evil Santa, Jesus H. Almighty. And somewhere in there, doesn't she say something like he's the shadow of St. Nicholas? Yeah. So it's like he's the twisted opposite version, which really starts to make sense here soon. Yeah. And if
1: you go into the history and the mythos of the story, there's an argument between he was created after Santa or he was actually older than Santa. And there's a whole thing we could go down there. So after the senile horseshit, Howard takes off... And he runs outside because he's had it. He's like, I don't believe any of this shit. I'm going to get my fucking kid. And uh, runs right into the Howie snowman. Along with something else behind the fucking trees and behind the snowman. We don't really know what it is yet. Of course, it's the elves. And he goes back in. Omi tells the kids, um, it's about what you have in your heart. And the fucking daughters are now freaking out. And they're like, what if, what if you're really good and you like write a letter to Santa and like all this shit? And, and she says that it's not about that. It's about what you have in your heart, followed by something in German. And they ask Max, what did she say? And he goes, I don't know.
0: She says we're fucked. I do want to say when Howard goes outside and Tony Collette pulls him back in and slams the door that fucking look on her face when she's like, we're staying inside. That was like our super serious face. Yeah. Mama hen. That's how she looks through all of hereditary. Oh, is <laughs> yeah, that, that serious. serious? Yeah.
1: So meanwhile, Linda takes the sack that they had gotten off the porch and starts wrapping the contents. Cause everything got burned up under the tree and Sarah ends up fetching her and the group comes up with a plan to go get the plow and escape. And this is there's some more dynamic while all this is going on between the two sisters and like oh you kept all the mom stuff and blah 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 yada 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 it it keeps the family thing going I'm not trying to discount it in any way but it's the the meat of the story here is the horror point of view for
0: but me. what you're saying essentially is
1: in so many words <laughs> <laughs> so while they're forming their snowplow plan. We have a cut back to the gifts that are upstairs and they're all shaking and sound like they're filled with mugwai. And I'm serious. Go back and watch just that scene and think about what it sounds like when they're all in the kitten box. Not when they're going crazy for food, but when they're all just making noise. (laughs) Meanwhile, the boy girls, the girl boys, Stevie and Jordan, they think they hear Beth upstairs in the attic. It doesn't even sound like Beth. Those sisters are so dumb. Oh, yeah, I agree. Because it's. Hey, but, come up here.
0: Come I, get me. <laughs> hey, it's Beth. It's totally not an evil elf from hell.
1: So the girls think they hear Beth up in the attic and they go up to investigate and we just hear screams. So the parents go running upstairs. But while this is going on, Howard hears something in the kitchen. So everyone else heads upstairs. All the adults head upstairs. It's not even It's All the parents <laughs> head upstairs while Howard heads into the kitchen. So upstairs, all the gifts have burst open like pods in the attic. So earlier they sounded like fucking Mogwai and now they're all burst open in the attic next to the stairs. I really feel like those two things right there were a callback.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say you really thought they ate after midnight. Or that. In Australia.
1: Anywhere. Well, they're already in New Zealand, so we got to go farther away. (laughs) Geography, buddy.
0: I don't know how their time zones work. (laughs)
1: Like everybody else's time zones. (laughs) I just noticed something when I was reading, and I have to go back to it right now because it pisses me off that I missed it. When the dark clouds roll in earlier in the movie, when Max throws his letter out the window, there's a big overhead shot of the town. And if you look real closely, you can clearly see the house from Amityville because of how distinct those windows are. Okay. You can allegedly, and I don't know where all they are, forget the snow globe part, but this shot and some shots outside, supposedly the house from Ferris Bueller's day off, the house from Nightmare on Elm Street the house from home alone. Like there are supposedly all these houses okay. hidden in the movie, but I've never taken the time to slowly try to find them.
0: And all. some of them might be snow globes later in the film,
1: but that's, there's one in particular that they actually had to get permission to use in a snow globe. Okay. But yes, there's all kinds of shit hidden in the snow globes too. I just don't know what all they are.
0: Cause it's all digitally made. So why the fuck not? Right?
1: Exactly. The shots that you think are CGI are practical and the shots you think are practical are CGI it really is one of those movies. They spot the Jack in the Box, which will now be referred to as Der Clown, because that's what they called it in in production. All I know Um, is
0: this is the part of the movie where shit hits the fan. Shit gets real.
1: And I was on board. (laughs) This was, I was first time seeing this movie in theaters. I'm like, fucking family, fucking Christmas, fucking comedy, fucking where's my horror, where's my, fucking finally. (laughs) This shit is so creepy right here. So they see it eating Jordan. They just see Jordan's feet going into it, and it's like this fucking Blade 2 fucking vampire mouth clown jack-in-the-box thing. And it's now, like, 11 feet long and 7 feet tall.
0: It's huge and terrifying, <laughs> and it's weird because, like, the mouth opens, like you said, like the vampires in, uh the strain and Blade 2 yeah. and stuff. And then when it closes, it has, like, the porcelain, like, face plates on it. It yes. looks like a clown, which is creepy by itself. You didn't even have to do the creepy demon teeth thing. It's just fucking creepy. Yeah. And then... It's an extra layer and it bothered me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, the way the body moves and the tail moves is what they refer to as the clown babes. They had these two dancer girls that would climb inside of it to make the body move. And there was this running joke that all the men on set would be like, we're doing a clown scene today. And all the men would flock to whatever stage okay, they were working okay. on to see the clown babes. Um, but while they're distracted by the fucking creepy ass der clown, they get attacked by the cherub, and the cherub is all cocooned up, and it slowly pulls its wings away from its eyes like ears coming away from eyes and going, yeah. like a waking up a mogwai. Are these conspiracy theories? No, this is, uh, this is all Josh. This is, to me, I really feel. It's, so, yes. Wa- watch, watch these scenes back to back the way the wings come off the eyes and the eyes open and it cry, does the little cry just like the Mogwai's unrolling their their ears and opening their eyes. I
0: just thought it was the creepiest looking fucking angel statue I'd ever seen. Courtney and Love. They're all creepy.
1: Yes. So I'm not going through how all the shit goes down, but just so you know, there's the creepy ass Courtney Love Cherub, a creepy ass bear with like fucking <laughs> knife teeth. They called him Teddy.
0: It's Five Night at Freddy's on crack.
1: Yeah. Um, the robot with the scissors and fucking all kinds of crazy shit. And they built all these. Like, yeah. the, the fucking robots remote controlled. Oh, I thought it was CGI. No, they built all that shit. There are CGI shots in it, but they really did build all of them. Um, so meanwhile, the gingerbread men are attacking Howard down in the kitchen <laughs> with a nail gun. This is all CGI. <laughs> and it very much reminds me of Army of Darkness when Ash is fighting the little ashes and shit. But uh, they're voiced by Seth Green. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him. Um <laughs> This Justin Roiland guy, so like, he created some Rick and Morty show. Yeah, have you ever heard of that?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think um, I might have heard of that one.
1: And then uh Breen Burns, which was a friend of Michael Doherty's that worked on Trick okay. or Treat. But the the main ginger, and they're like Lumpy Dumpy and something. I forget that was what they named them. I
0: can really hear the Seth Green when you say that from, like, Robot Chicken or something. Yeah,
1: because he didn't have to pitch a voice, pitch change his voice. Or <laughs> but, uh so Howard starts blasting them with fucking shotgun until, and like they're on fire and running around and screaming and shit. It's so good. And then there's finally one left on fire and he runs and he jumps and he's screaming and he may have something in his little gingerbread hand or whatever. I don't know. And he's slowly flying through the air and Howard's going to get it. And the dog fucking eats it.
0: <laughs> Which is funny. Cause like earlier when they go upstairs to check on the girls, he's like, come on Rosie. And she's like, Mm-hmm. And walks off, and then yeah, he's lazy as shit. And then she saves him. He's like, I love you, Rosie, or I love you, girl. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty dumb though, because instead of blasting the cookies, he's like, Hey, there's a gas lantern right there. I'll just shoot the lantern and blow him up, and possibly myself. That's eh? how they catch a fire though. And it's really cool looking scene.
1: Yeah, the, when the when he shoots it, and the gingerbread house blows up like mini Michael Bay,
0: exactly.
1: So, the big point of this, the dolls were all partially. it's theorized the doll, the toys were all partially pulled from doll man and the demonic toys. I haven't looked into that full moon motherfucker. I haven't looked into it anyways. So they head back downstairs. And since the dog just saved Howard's life, Max is like, fuck it. I'm putting the dog in the air vent (laughs) because when they (laughs) were in the attic, their clown goes into an air vent and they find Stevie wrapped up in Christmas lights. She didn't get eaten yet. Um, So just Jordan got eaten. So the dog makes its way through the fence. We hear the clown, and then we hear the dog cry. And that's the scene where, supposedly, right after that, one of them was called and told that their bulldog died. So right after that, their Clown crashes through the fucking ceiling. All the other toys are still there because they haven't been killed. They just got away from them. They all start attacking, and very quickly, Dorothy blasts the hell out of all of them with a shotgun. But she runs out of ammo, and then noises are heard from outside. (laughs) So the elves burst in, and they chain up Dorothy and her Clown, and they yank them out the window with this rig and Howard's like, fuck it, <laughs> and jumps on it just as it all gets pulled out. All that shot is practical. That oh, really? Is not CGI. They really did all that. Stunt doubles, of course. But yeah, they really did that. So after they're yanked out, the elves steal the baby while all this is going on. And then all this craziness, the the elves have the rest of the family surrounded and it's all interrupted by a Krampus howl. And the elves all leave. Well, I love it. Like they just dive through the window and fucking throw
0: a handful of snow in the fire and snuff it out. Yes. It's so creepy. And I'm like, man, can Krampus not put on his own fire?
1: <laughs> Magic. Okay. Magic is flawed. Right. Cause it's real. <laughs> it's a documentary. No. <laughs> um, so the group is like, we're so fucked now. Let's go for the plow. So they take off for the plow, but Omi stays behind to face Krampus. It comes down the chimney and we see the, the chimney cracking up above and the blowout and everything that we had seen in the other house that like, this is what must have happened. It was Krampus. Does Krampus up
0: close make you think of the feast monster? Like right here?
1: And, well, you see him better later with him and Max, but a little bit, but I'm going to get into that. Just because of the cloak and the mask and all that. Oh, like the, like the profile view of his body and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Oh, yes, yes, yes. That and those fucking things with the key finger from the fifth element. Oh yeah. 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 So as he comes out of the chimney, he gets face to face with Omi and this is the first time we really see his face, which it's actually a mask. And because later on you can see the eyes and the mouth move behind it. Right. And it was the thing back to the idea from all the pictures was what face are we going to land on? And they decided we're just going to do a creepy mask a flesh mask which was they had uh michael doherty said was inspired by the screen painting that's why the mouth's agape and all that jazz but we never get to see what krampus really looks like underneath right so that was fun now the costume all this shot and everything that's a guy in a suit i figured that was yeah i want to say it was 70 pounds for him to wear all this shit and there's actually a camera in the front where the face is and a monitor in the hump and he's on stilts to boot. Okay. And he's watching this fucking monitor <laughs> trying to see where to walk. Just so much good practical shit in the movie. Um, but he he has a sack with him and he opens the sack and we barely see Omi look in and can quickly see some toys attack. So Omi right. is no more. There's a nutcracker in there. He's at the end. I'm not sure if he's in the back, but anyways. So back to the group. Shit is going downhill so fast.
0: This part fucking blew my mind. And I was like, this better not be one of those bullshit movies where Max wakes up and it's fucking dream. Because <laughs> everybody just started dropping.
1: Yeah. So one by one, they're gone. Tom, Linda, Sarah, and Stevie until Max is the only one left. And it happens nearly that fast. He's in the snowplow. He can't get it to crank. And he's like... I don't know how to drive stick. We have a hybrid.
0: (laughs) Right. And it's actually, it's pretty like the way each family member like gets fucking yanked down. It's actually like, that's, that's like the sad part of
1: the movie. Cause it's just like so depressing. And they're all all like, they know what's coming. And like the, the parents are saying, I love you. And like, well, it's all so fast though. So once Max realizes he's the only one left in the plow, cause uh, Stevie gets yanked out by elves. If i remember right. Krampus slams down to the ground in front of Max and he drops a bell. Wrapped in his torn up letter to Santa. Right. And it's the same bell that he had given Omi. And he's now left behind as a reminder, just like Omi all those years ago. Credits. No. <laughs> Max can still hear Stevie screaming, and he heads to Krampus'
0: sleigh. Hey!
1: He throws the bell at Krampus and demands his family back. And a portal to hell opens in the snow.
0: <laughs> Why not? At
1: this point, why not? Yeah. Uh, this is where we're going. Okay. It's, it's, it's not the end of the movie, so I'll, I'll, you've got my attention. He ends up offering himself in exchange for their return as self-sacrifice, and all the creatures just start laughing at him. Oh, and while oh, this is oh, going oh, on, oh, two oh, of the oh. elves are holding Stevie over the fucking pit of fire and shit.
0: And this is like, a, the end of this movie was a roller coaster of emotions for me, because I was like, man, if this ends up being a dream, I'm going to be so mad. And then I'm like, oh, oh, they got balls. They're going to kill everybody off. And he (laughs) falls down on the pit of hell.
1: And then, I know, right? So they throw Stevie in the hole, followed by Max. But before Max is thrown in the hole, he says he just wanted Christmas to be like it used to be. Ah, he's in the hole now. Then we cut to Max waking up Christmas morning. He heads downstairs and sees the whole family and thinks it was all a dream. And I was angry. I'm, I even have it in my notes. I'm pissed at this point. Like, there's no fucking way. Fuck this movie. Fuck Mike. I don't care if Trick or Treat 2 comes out. I'm so mad at this point. They're all acting super friendly and shit. They start opening gifts until Max opens the Krampus Bell. And everyone looks around at each other like, oh, shit. Like, they all dreamt the same thing. No, this shit actually happened. And I'm like, Better? Better? <laughs>
0: And I just want to stop you right here before you get to the final scene. So I, I went from better not be a dream. Oh, this is a dream. This is bullshit. To oh, I'm actually okay that it was a dream because maybe like Krampus is supposed to be part of the spirit of Christmas and he'll fucking torture your family into submission. And that was, I accepted that, right? Because it's like still horrific without anybody dying. It's like instead of him just being a monster that sends you to hell, he's a monster that fucking enfor- enforces Christmas spirit. I was like, okay, you've reeled me back in. And then.
1: Well, hang on. It's interesting that you put it that way because in towards the beginning of the movie, after the opening, when they first show the kitchen, it's a, uh, what is it? A Christmas carol. Is that that you're going to be visited by three ghosts? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. That's playing on the TV and it's that scene tonight. You're going to be visited by three ghosts. And that's an idea that was played with. So the, by the time it's all over you, they did a good job of pulling you in different directions and not knowing which one it was going to be. But there's this long pull away shot. Out of the house, and I'm, I'm mad again, <laughs> we can't end like this, that pulls out far enough to reveal that the house is trapped in a snow globe and continues to pull out to realize the snow globe is in Krampus's hand, and he's setting it on a shelf with all these other snow globes right. and houses in them in his lair. One of the most notable ones that you can see that they had to get permission for because it's in the credits is the house from Psycho. That one's easy to see. I have no idea what's in all the other ones, but that's the end. And I'm happy again because I'm like, yes, they're forced to be with each other Christmas morning for all of eternity is how I took it.
0: <laughs> I was happy again, but like I was happy the scene before that when I thought it was just like he's part of Christmas, you know, and I almost think I wish I had it, had it just in there and they just like all remembered like, oh, fuck. And they just had to live their lives that way.
1: The alternate ending is the pull away shot out of the window credits. You, you don't see that they're okay. In the snow blow. Okay. And what's funny is on the commentary, they talk about how, well, we did one ending where if you're a cynical asshole, you'll be happy. And we did another ending to where if you want it to all be okay and leave some wonderment in it, you'll be happy. And you see which one we went with. And I'm like, I'm a cynical asshole and I'm happy. (laughs) But this movie, you know, is the best Christmas horror movie since Gremlins to me. It did it without an R rating. Um it does take a while to get going and get to all hell breaking loose in the attic, but there's enough comedy to keep it going. Thank God for aunt Dorothy, man. If she wasn't in there, there would not be enough comedy for me.
0: I had a lot of fun with, with Keckner. I thought he was pretty funny.
1: Um, I agree with you. Like
0: it was, I won't say slow. Like it was a good comedy family Christmas movie for the first part, for the, you know, mostly, I mean, there's yeah. funnier ones, but like, At least the comedy was there to keep you entertained, but I was a little disappointed going in at first. I'm like, it's supposed to be a horror movie. It's supposed to be a horror movie and it never gets scary. But like once they go upstairs and the shit hits the fan, that final act was fucking awesome. Like it gives it enough cool points to to backtrack it a bit.
1: Um, One quick thing that I may have touched on. I don't know the, it was supposed to be set in the same universe as trick or treat. Almost everything that put the, hit that nail on the head ended up cut from the movie. Okay. There was a scene where uh Max is trying to calm down Stevie and Jordan and he's like, "Hey, I got some of last year's Halloween candy." And the brands of the candy are the made-up brand names from Trick or Treat and there's even a Sam lollipop and without half of it bit off in the basket or, or box or whatever. Right. Um they talk about men- they mention there was a radio thing that was cut out where they mentioned counties, and they're all fictitious counties from Doherty movies. Right. That puts it into Trick or Treat. There, there was a lot more in there. Now, according to the commentaries, like now there's still even in this cut, a lot of things hidden, but you'll have to search for them. And that's how they are in the commentary. They're not like, by the way, what right. we were trying to say was this. There's a lot of things, and even the ending of the movie, they're they're like. But are they really, are they stuck there to relive Christmas forever? Are they, 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 are they this, are they that? And I'm like, well, fuck you. And he's like, well, well that's for you to figure out.
0: Well, fuck you some more. I'm but, not always down with the ambiguous endings. I'm like, just fucking tell me.
1: Well, you know me, I, I, I hate to go through such a roller coaster of emotions and then, oh, it's all okay in the end. Cause right. you know what? In the real world, that's not how it is. You got to improvise, adapt, overcome. Life isn't fair. And what's the thrill if the ending's always going to be, it's all okay.
0: Right. And I'm okay, like usually, if the hero figures a way to, you know, pull it off and survive. That I get and I'm okay with. But like when like deaths become meaningless is when I'm like, eh. I do think it's neat though. It's the same universe. Cause it's like Sam enforces the spirit of Halloween, Krampus enforces the spirit of Christmas. Exactly. When does the Valentine's Day and Easter Bunny guy come?
1: Are there any like really straight up fucking terrifying Easter Bunny movies? I'm being very serious right now. I feel like they could make an Easter horror movie
0: be shitty and campy and jack frost style but they could do it
1: like it doesn't need to be as bad as jack frost i think that's going to do it for our first christmas episode i'm glad we took two fairly serious movies because you guys should have seen the list
0: i don't want to say the list because we always have next year but it was a list
1: well jack frost was already brought up yeah um i still like that movie for what it is
0: i would have to watch it again but i don't remember being a huge fan and i'm the slasher guy Huh? But yeah, I mean, like it's, it's fun. Like every family has their traditions and I have normal family Christmas movies that I watch every year, but Krampus isn't on my list. Maybe it will, will be on there someday, but gremlins I watch every fucking year. Like I said earlier, I get to share it with the kids. There's other Christmas movies that, that, you know, like I love to watch. I hope new ones keep coming out. I think it's a nice little genre bender to throw some horror in with Christmas.
1: Yes. I, I got to throw it out there. The four that we watch while we decorate gremlins, Jack Frost, Krampus. And I think it's Santa sleighs. Um, <laughs> I always mix, mix two of them. It's the one where the chick gets her leg cut off and she goes in the wood chipper. whichever one that is, I think
0: is. that's Santa Slay's, but I've never seen it. I, was, I think I remember seeing that scene okay. somewhere online.
1: There's one of them I like to watch and I haven't seen it in a while and I can't think
0: of the name right now because I mix it up. It's not Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's not one of those, but there's like a mom and a daughter and they're home alone and the daughter sees an old man in a Santa suit climbing the roof. She thinks it's Santa and he's got an axe and he's trying to get in and murder them. And she finds out that like a psychopath escaped from the penitentiary nearby. And it's fucking, I just remember it being like terrifying because I saw it young and that's like realistic (laughs) as fuck, but he doesn't have the Santa magic. So you don't have to worry about him getting in. He's got the fucking ax magic. He can ax that door question (laughs) and get right the fuck through it. Axe magic. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. You guys let us know what are your Christmas movies that you watch. And it doesn't have to be the horror ones, but let's, let's hear them all. Send them to us. It'd be fucking fun.
1: Yeah. And once again, with this being the last episode of the year, I can't believe we've done this a year. Yeah. Um, We really appreciate everybody that stuck with us and, you know, we're going to be back next month for another year. Um, And once again, if there's anything in the format from what you've heard us go different directions and do different things, please give us feedback so we can give you more of what you like. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. I don't have feelings. I was an only child for a long time. I'm incapable (laughs) of having feelings. (laughs)
0: Cause we really do kind of wing it and we've gone different directions with more movies, less movies, less content, more content. We just have fucking fun talking about it. So We want to know what keeps everybody coming back. So let us know. Cause like I said, we're going to take close to a month off probably before you get another episode. It'll be somewhere middle into January, I think, but that's it for the Christmas 2019 episode. You're going to have to tune in on the next one in January to see what we cover next. As usual, guys, thanks for downloading the show and spreading the word. Please do not forget to rate and review us online. And please, please, like we said, send us comments, questions, and suggestions to our email, sbspodcast at gmail.com.
1: And we would love it if you would follow our Twitter and Instagram at S S Podcast. This might actually motivate us to use them more. See you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening.
0: I warned you, but you didn't listen and you see what happens.